Well, we are starting a new series of messages today about parenthood, about raising children, about how to do that in a, in a godly way, do that in a scriptural way. And, uh, and, and I, wanna, I know there's different people at different stages of life in here today, so I want to tell you that, that I hope that what we do for today and the next four Sundays after today, uh, it, it can speak to all of you wherever you are. But if you are in a position in your life where, uh, where you've already raised your kids, you might think, I don't know if this is even for me. I want to encourage you today because you have an opportunity to come alongside people who are in the middle of this and, and kind of give some of your wisdom. And you can say, hey, we made this mistake and, or we did this the right way. And, and you can come alongside those of us who are in the middle of raising our kids. If you don't have kids yet, uh, this is a great opportunity for you over the next few weeks to, uh, to just to pay attention and, and, and try to figure out, okay, when we do have kids, we... We need to make some decisions now about how we're going to raise these children because it's good to make those decisions beforehand because once you get in the middle of it, it just kind of gets crazy. And then if you're in the position that I'm in right now, uh, maybe you're right in the middle of it. You're raising your children right now. And, and if that's where you are, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to be here for, for these few weeks. And, and I, wanna, I hope that what will happen is that you'll be encouraged as a parent. I don't want you to walk out of here discouraged and think that you're being fussed at every week, but I also want you to be challenged because there we all have ways that we can improve, things that we could do better at when it comes to raising our children. And so, uh, so that's what I'm hoping will happen for, for all the groups of, of people who are represented here, whether you're in the middle of it or not. Um, now, if, if, you would, if you would agree with me that raising children is one of the hardest jobs that there is, maybe the hardest. I want you to raise your hand. Raise it up high if you agree. If you really agree, you might want to like put both hands up. I mean, that's the way I feel. Now, look, I hope you looked around the room as you were doing that. And so I want you to know that if you're here today and you're thinking, man, this raising kids is, is difficult, you're not alone. Uh, because one of the things that happens is you come to church and you tend to look at everybody else's family and you think that their kids are perfect. You think that, that they don't have the same problems in their household that you do. You think that when they were on the way to church this morning, they were all like singing praise choruses together and quoting scripture to each other instead of yelling at each other in the back seat because you're on my side or whatever, right? That's what you think. But the, the truth is, is that it's, it's hard work, and we all know that it's hard work, and we're all struggling with it together. So over the next few weeks, I want you to, to try to be here every Sunday. If you can't be here, we, we have uh, on our website, you can listen to podcasts of the message every single week. Those are always up, usually by Monday afternoon or by Tuesday morning. Those are up from the week before. And if you are here, I want you to take notes of anything you learn, because we're going to learn this thing together. Now let me say this too, Donnie and I are, are going to be teaching this series of messages uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, he's going to be teaching next week and then I'll be back the week after that. And we are in the middle of this thing with you and we are not experts. So as we stand up here, we're learning together with you. I have a 17-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old daughter. Donnie has three sons, and a 17-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a 7-year-old, is that right? And by the way, if you want to talk to him how he ended up with a 14-year-old and then a 7-year-old, he'll tell you that story uh, privately another time. But, but so, so we're right in the middle of it with you. We're raising our kids just like you, we are, like you are, and we're not experts. And so, so we're going to talk about this thing over the next few weeks. 
Um, I don't know how many of you have ever built a house or, or maybe you're in the construction business or you, you live in a house that you built or, or was being built when you moved in. And you know that when you're building a house, you have to make a lot of decisions. Uh, if, you're, if you're building a house, you have to decide, okay, well, is it going to have brick or is it going to be siding? It's going to be brick, okay? What kind of brick do you want it to be and what color do you want that brick to be and all this kind of stuff. And then, well, if you're going to have a roof, is it going to have different kind of shingles? And you just are constantly having to make decisions. You have to make decisions. You have to set priorities for, for what's going to be important. Do you really want this in your house? Do you really want that other house? And then you have a budget that you have to stay by. And you have to either choose to live within the confines of that budget or, as most people do when they're building a house, oh, we're just going to blow that budget way out of the water and just go into even more debt. And, and, and so, so you have all these decisions to make when you're building a house. Well, today I want to talk to you about building a Christian home. And in building a Christian home, we're not talking about the house itself, but we're talking about what goes on inside the house. And just like when you're building the house itself, the physical house, you have to make decisions. If you're going to build a Christian home, and if you're going to choose to raise your children in a Christian home, the same way you've got decisions you have to make. You've got things you have to choose either to live within or ignore. You've got priorities that have to be set. And so that's where we're going today as we begin this Parenthood series. We're going to talk about building a Christian home. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Deuteronomy. That's the Old Testament. It's the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you don't have your Bible, look up on the screen in a minute. We'll have the scripture up there. And, uh, and I'm going to be reading Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Let me read verses 1 through 3. To begin here. Oh, let me do this first. Let me set the stage. This is happening right after God has given the Ten Commandments to a guy named Moses. So God told Moses, I want you to come up on this mountain with me. The two of us, we're going to meet together. Moses stayed up on the mountain for a long time. He comes down with the Ten Commandments. Then there was a controversy that went on at the bottom of the hill that you could talk about another day and then he goes back up with the Ten Commandments and gets another set of them and so now he's back down he's got the Ten Commandments and so they've just received the Ten Commandments the decrees of God the laws of God and then this is what God says to them these are the commands decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you your children and their children after them May fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now, in that verse there, verse 2, it says that, these are, well, verse 1, he begins to say, these are the, the laws of God, they're good, they're for your good. And then in verse 2, he says, this is what can happen. You, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you may live. I want you to understand something today as a parent. If you're here today and you're a parent, and I'm not trying to put even more pressure on you than you already feel, but you have the ability to not only affect your own life, but you have the ability to affect the lives of your children, and then you have the ability to even affect the lives of generations that will come after you. What you are doing as a parent is so important 
the decisions you make with your children, the, 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 the rules that you follow in your house, all of those things are so important that it can change generations to follow. So that one day when you leave this earth, and we all will leave this earth one day, that when that happens, your legacy can live on. That you can leave a legacy behind you of people who love Jesus, who follow the commands of God, because you began that right now in the year 2012, and you pass that on to your kids, and they pass that on to their kids, and they pass that on to their kids, and on and on it can go. So we have an amazing uh, uh, opportunity here when we raise our children to affect our generation and the succeeding generations. So if we're going to do that, if we're going to build a Christian home, what do, what do we need to do? Well, there's, there's two main things today that, I, that I, I want us to talk about. So if you're taking notes, you can begin to write these down now. The first one is, if you're building a Christian home, you need to love your God. You need to love your God. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. We just read 1 through 3. Look at what he goes on to say there in verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, if, if, if you've ever read the New Testament, this is in the Old Testament. If you've ever read the New Testament, you know, that, that gets into where Jesus comes to earth and Jesus begins to teach. Jesus at one time was asked by these guys, they said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment there is? What is the one that we need to remember more than anything else? You know what Jesus said? He said this. He said Deuteronomy 6, 5. He said it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So this is important stuff right now. That if we want to raise children that will honor God, we have to begin by loving God ourselves. We have to love our God and we have to set that example for them. Now, I love it here that, it, that it's just pretty, pretty basic. This is, a, this is a verse that just about anybody can understand. Because there's not a lot of black and, uh, you know, not a lot of gray area here. This is pretty black and white. Where he says, how much are you supposed to love your God? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And all means all. It means 100%. It means holding nothing back. And I love there that he says all three times. Because he says with all your heart, your heart represents your passion and your emotions. With all your soul, that represents the deepest parts of you and who you are spiritually. And with all your strength. That represents every physical action that you take and the things that you do while you're on this earth. And he says that all of those areas, heart, soul, and strength, are supposed to be totally and completely committed to who God is and what he wants to do in your life. That that's how we're supposed to love him. Now here's the, here's the problem when it comes to raising kids. If you're honest with yourself, and if I'm honest with myself, most of us would admit that in some areas of our life, we only love God a little bit. That we don't love Him with all our heart, with all our soul, and all our strength all the time. That, that there, are, there are times when, times and maybe, and maybe for you it's all the time, where, where you, you, you kind of talk about God, and he, God's out there, and He's this concept or whatever, but you don't really love Him 100%. When, uh, in 1986, I was in the 11th grade and, uh, and went to Irmo High School down in Columbia. And one day, um, they, we came, they came into our English class and they said, okay, everybody is going to the library 
to get a measles shot. Now, I don't know if it was like a, a statewide outbreak. I don't know if they did that up here. Those of you who went to school here then. But in the Columbia area in 1986, they gave a measles shot to everybody at school one day because evidently measles was back on the rise. And it didn't matter. I'd had a measles shot when I was a kid, but here you are, 16 years old, going in with your class to get a measles shot. So we went in there, got our shot, probably the first shot in my life that I didn't cry, but not because I didn't want to cry, but I wanted to impress the ladies in my English class. Couldn't let them see me cry when I got that shot. And so, so I go in and get that shot now, and, and that's going to protect me now from getting the measles. Now, what, what did those of you that know anything about medicine at all, what did that nurse, school nurse, that when she shoved that thing in my arm, what was she pumping into my veins right there to keep me from getting the measles? Does anybody know? The measles, yeah. She was giving me just a little bit of the measles, and by giving me just a little bit of the measles, it would keep me from getting all of the measles. It would, they call it, a, a fancy word is, I think, inoculation. It would inoculate me against getting the measles by giving me just a little bit of the measles. I really believe that as parents, when, when our kids are raised in a home where they see us just giving a little bit to God, that we just have a little bit of God in our lives, a little bit of God in our home, and we, we tell them that it's just okay to, to be committed to God just a little bit, that what we are doing to our children is we are inoculating them against all of who God wants them to be. That we are, by, by giving them just a little bit of God, we're making them immune to all the things of God. Because after a while, they begin to realize Oh, well, God's just one more thing that we do around here, and it's not really any more important than anything else. Because we live in a world where you can get very distracted with things other than God. And as parents, oftentimes, we're the ones that serve up the distractions to our kids. I mean, you've got kids, and, and you think, man, I want my kids to have every opportunity, and I want them to be able to do whatever they want and have all this stuff that I didn't have. And so you buy them all the goodies and all the gadgets that they can get their hands on, and they got the iPad, and then they had to have the iPad 2, and now they got the iPad new that's not even called a 3 or anything. It's new, and they got to have that. And then they've got to go to to dance lessons and horseback riding lessons and ball this ball that ball that ball and talking about baseball football basketball all this stuff they got proms they got beauty pageants they got all this stuff and none of those things are bad none of those things are bad but what happens is is we do so much of that and then we put the things of God so much in the background that all of a sudden it becomes well God's just one more thing we do God's no different than baseball or horseback riding, or beauty pageants, or dance, or any of this other stuff. God's just one more thing on the calendar. And God is Sunday mornings unless we've got a baseball or basketball tournament. Then God's not even on Sunday mornings. And so what happens is, is we, we train our kids by the way we talk, by the actions we take, by the priorities we set in our house. We train our kids that it's okay to love God with just a little bit of your heart. To love God with just a little bit of your soul. To love God with just a little bit of your strength. When I was, I served as youth pastor at Fairview Baptist Church for 10 years. And when I was there, there was a, a family that visited our church. And um, they had been a part of another church here in town. And they didn't like that. They wanted to leave that church and come to Fairview because they had a son who was 
a teenager. At that time, he was in the eighth grade. And they wanted to leave that church because he didn't really like what was going on with the youth ministry at that church. So I was told, hey, go see this family, you know. And so the, so the idea is kind of I go in and I impress them with how awesome I am as a youth pastor. And they'll go, that's the church I want to go to because I like that guy, right? So I go to their house and I'm talking to them and all this kind of stuff and, and just asking them different things. And then the father says this to me. He says, now you need to understand that there's going to be a big section of the year that we won't be at church. I said, okay, why is that? Well, we play travel baseball. And my son here, he's really good. He's a pitcher, and he's really good at baseball. So there's going to be you know, several months out of the year. We're just not going to be. We, we tra- have a, a tournament every weekend. And then I said, well, what about Wednesday nights? That's when we do what we do with the youth. Well, he'll have uh, ball practice on Wednesday nights. And with homework, he just won't be able to get there. And I said this to him. I said, that's okay, that's the decision you're making. I said, let me just tell you this. You're not happy at this church because he doesn't like what's going on with the youth ministry. I said, he's not going to like it at our church either. He said, well, why do you say that? I said, because he's never going to be here. He's not going to know anybody. He's not going to build any relationships. And you're showing him that baseball is more important than church. And he said, well, no, it's not more important, but we're just going to be there this part of the time. I said, well, y'all come on, you know, come on to... To, to Fairview, I said, but I'm just telling you, I don't think that it's going to be any different than what you're experiencing now. And he said, okay. Well, they came on, and he, it was, I'm not saying I'm a prophet. I'm not saying I'm always right, but I was right that time. And here's what had happened. You had a family, you had a father who was teaching his son, hey, son, God's one thing, baseball's another thing, and when the two compete, Baseball wins. And you're saying, hey, Cliff, but, man, you got to give a kid a chance to play baseball, right? I'll tell you this. I, I know who that kid was. I know what happened in his life. He went on to college. He didn't play baseball in college. He's not in the minor leagues. And last time I checked, he's not in the major leagues. Now, I don't know where he is of how much he loves Jesus, but I know that he missed out on several opportunities. He missed out on several years of his life of having an opportunity to learn what it means to follow God. Because what they were being taught in that house was, you follow baseball, you don't follow God. And it can be any number of things. I'm not picking on baseball. It can be any number of other things. But as a parent, you have an opportunity to show your kids what it means to follow God and do the things of God. And you're like, hey, Cliff, okay, we're talking about God. You're talking about church. And those aren't the same things. But what what message does it send to your kid if you say to him, Hey, the people of God, they gather, gather together to worship him, but we don't think that's important because we think this other thing is more important. There was a, um, a survey done that, that I saw the, the statistics on that I thought was very interesting. And it says this, that, that children who grew up to become active followers of Jesus, children who grew up to love Jesus, serve him, serve in their local church, follow him, read their Bible, all those kinds of good things. Children who grew up to become active followers of Jesus, those that both parents went to church when they were kids, 72% of kids who both parents went to church grew up to become active followers of Jesus. Those who the mom only went to church, 15% of those kids grew up to become active followers of Jesus. Those who the dad only, now dads, I'm going to talk to y'all in just a minute, but listen to the influence you have as a dad. 
Those that the dads only went to church, 55% of those kids grew up to become active followers of Jesus. 40% more than if just the mom goes, if just the dad goes. Now, we need both of you to go, but I think that's interesting. And then those where neither parent went to church, kid grew up out of church completely, only 6% of those people grew up to become active followers of Jesus. The decisions you make about how active you will be in church, about where you're going to serve, about what that means. And when I talk about being active in church, I'm not talking about coming in late, sitting down and watching, and then leaving while the last song's playing so you can beat everybody to the restaurant, because that's spectating. That's not being active. I'm talking about being actively involved. I'm talking about finding a place to serve. I'm talking about developing real relationships. I'm talking about giving of your funds and giving of your time and giving of your attention to the things of God. That those are the people that when, when both parents did that, 72% of those children grew up to become active followers of Jesus. What you decide in your family and what you decide for you personally about how much you will love your God will be passed down to your children. Now, the second thing that we need to do, if we want to build a Christian home. First one is love your God. The second one is lead your family. Lead your family. Look at Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It says this, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, I love that the first verse of that, verse 6, says, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. That's what we just talked about the whole time just a while ago. That before you can do the other, it's got to be in here for you first. You've got to, as a father, as a mother... You've got to love your God yourself. And then the second thing, verse 7, it says, Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That as you go about life, that talking about the things of God, that following what God wants you to do should be a very uh, natural part of who you are. While you're on the way to bat, uh, baseball practice, you ought to be talking about the things of God. When you're sitting around the supper table, and I hope you still eat supper together at least a couple of times a week, you need to be talking about the things of God. While When, when you get done with church, when they come out of what they do uh, back here with their children's teachers, you can ask them, what did you learn today? What did y'all talk about? And you can discuss those things with them. And so it's a very natural part of who they are that they understand, hey, at our house, we talk about Jesus. We talk about God. We talk about what the Scripture says. As we try to live by those things. Now, if you're going to lead your family, one of the things that I understand about that to be true is that that does not happen by accident. It's got to be intentional. You've got to make some decisions that this is what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to do these things and we're going to not do these other things and, and, and it just doesn't happen just by chance. Now, there's two, two things that I think that, that I want to focus on when it comes to leading your family. And uh, so these, if, if you put two down for leading your family, these could be 2A and 2B. And here, here's the first one. Build your marriage. Build your marriage. And you're probably thinking, hey, Cliff, we're talking about raising kids. We're not talking about marriages. Now, obviously, we think raising kids is important or we wouldn't spend five weeks talking about it. But I don't want you to ever forget that the relationship you have with your kids followed the relationship that you have already with your husband or your wife. And your relationship with your husband and wife is the most important relationship you've got behind your relationship with Jesus. 
And your relationship, now don't, if you're not going to hear anything else, hear this. Your relationship with your kids comes second to your relationship to your husband and wife. I'm going to say that again. Your relationship you have with your kids comes second to the relationship you have with your husband and your wife. And the reason I wanted to focus in on that so hard is this. It is so easy to get those things reversed. And here's why. Kids are demanding. Kids are selfish. Kids think that the whole world revolves around them. And part of the reason why is because we live like it does. Part of the reason why is what we talked about a while ago. We don't have God-centered houses, but we have kid-centered houses because everything revolves around them. And so kids are so demanding. You, you know that when you, if you didn't know that before, the first night you brought that baby home from the hospital, you figured it out, didn't you? Good night. We can't even sleep all night. This thing's wanting our attention. I mean, kids are demanding. And so what happens is a kid, not because they're evil, not because they're terrible, anything like that, it just comes natural to them. A kid will demand so much of your attention, you'll give it to them, and then it's like giving crack to a crackhead. They're going to want some more of it. You give them some attention, they want even more. And so they're just going to want more and more and more. And so you've got to understand that if I don't put a stop to some of this, of course I need to pay attention to my kids, but if that's all I'm doing and I'm ignoring my husband, I'm ignoring my wife, then you're doing damage to your house. Because building your marriage is so important because your kids are going to learn how to have a healthy marriage by watching you. My, building my relationship with Sherry is one of the best things that I can do for my girls. Because... My girls can learn from me how they should expect their husband to treat them one day. If I'm building my relationship with Sherry, they should be able to look at that and say, that's how a husband treats a wife, and I'm not going to marry some idiot that treats me anything other than that. And they should be able to look at the way Sherry treats me and say, that's the way that a wife should show respect to her husband and, and demonstrate love to her husband and so that they can then do that for the man that they marry one day. And so building my relationship with Sherry, might, you might think, well, that's selfish. That doesn't have anything to do with your kids. It's the most important thing that I can do for my two girls is if I will build my relationship with their mother and make sure that it's important. Now, again, you've got to be intentional about it. This doesn't happen by accident. You need to make some decisions. You need to set date nights. You need to lock the bedroom door. And if your kid is still sleeping with you, cut the cord. They cut the cord at the hospital. Cut the cord and get that kid in their own bed. I'm, I'm dead serious about that. I'm not kidding around. I know people that their kids slept with them until they were teenagers. I don't know how they ever had another kid. That child has a bed Put that child in that bed, and if they scream, if they pitch a fit, remember, they are just being selfish. That's what they're supposed to do, and they will get over it. And then you get back in bed, and you cuddle up with your husband or your wife and say, this is going to be the best night of sleep we've ever had. When you get home from work, if you need some time to talk, don't be afraid to say to the kids, hey, listen, mom and dad just need about 20 or 30 minutes to sit here at the kitchen table 
and discuss some stuff, and I will talk to you in just a little bit. That's okay. You're not being a mean parent. Sometimes I get home, and my girls are happy to see me, and I'm glad they're happy to see me, but there's sometimes I get home, and I need to talk to their mother about something, and I'll say, hey, girls, can y'all just give me and your mom just a few minutes just to talk? And they go away, and we have time, just the two of us. It doesn't mean I'm being a terrible dad, but it means that I'm showing my kids that y'all are important, but she is more important. And what she has to say to me is more important than what you have to say to me right now. But I still love you. And so you've got to make some decisions as parents. You've got to be intentional about building your marriage. And then the second thing under um, leading your family is this. Dads, take the lead. Dads, take the lead. Men, I want to I talk very upfront and frank with all of you right now. You heard the statistic a while ago that I just said about that if, if just a dad takes his kids to church, the effect that it has versus just the mom taking the kids to church. But you don't even need statistics to know that it's true. As a man, it is God's design for you to lead the family spiritually. Now, there might be some ladies in here that want to argue with me about that and want to quote modern psychology and this book says this and book, this book says that. What I'm telling you, the book that I've based my life on, the Bible says from Genesis all the way through the teachings of Paul, it says consistently that the man is supposed to be the leader of the family. The man is supposed to be the one that sets the course spiritually for his wife and his kids. And men... We live in a country where there is an epidemic of fathers who do not lead their families spiritually. We see it here at this church. We, I, every time we have life group sign-ups, every time we have life group sign-ups, there'll be a woman that will come and sign her and her husband up for life group and will say something like this to the life group leader, I'm going to try to get him to come. And I want to say to that man, I want to go up to him and say, you need to be leading her instead of her leading you. Because what happens when, when that happens is the kids grow up and, and the kids look at what the dad thinks is important. The kids, the kids look at the decisions the dad makes and they think, well, if this isn't that important to dad, it must not be that important. And so you as a father, you have a responsibility to lead your family. It's a biblical responsibility that you have, but you also have a responsibility to lead in all kinds of ways. Um, one time when we were at, um, when we were at um, uh, the old office space over on, on Middleton Way, we had a, had a woman come in one day, and I was there by myself, and she came in and said that they needed food. Her and her family needed food. She had kids, didn't have anything to eat, and she said, I just need some food, I need some groceries and all this stuff. So I'm discussing this with her. And then she tells me, well, my husband's out of work, and he came. I said, so you got a husband? And she said, yes. And I said, where's your husband? I said, why isn't he coming in here asking me for food? And she said, well, he drove me here. And I said, so he's here? He's out in the parking lot? She said, yes. I said, go in. And, I said, go out and get him. And she said, you want me to get him to come in here? I said, yes, I'd like for you to go get your husband and ask him to come in here and see me. And I'll never forget this because his name was Cliff. <laughs> so Cliff comes in to talk to this Cliff. 
and the two cliffs are standing face to face. And I asked him, I said, Do you, does your family need something to eat? And he said, yes. I said, why are you making your wife go around and beg people for food? He said, well, you know, we just need something to eat. And, blah, blah, you know, and, and I said, she also tells me that you were supposed to sign y'all up for food stamps two weeks ago and you haven't done it. Why haven't you done it? Well, I've been real busy doing this, that, and the other. I said, you haven't been that busy because you're out of work. I said, you've got time to go sign up for food stamps. I said, and I'm going to get you something to eat today, but I wouldn't do it if you sat out in the parking lot and you sent your wife in here by yourself. I said, are you telling me that you need food for your family? And he said, yes. I said, then I will get you some food. But here's the thing. I had no respect for a man. I had no respect for a man who was going to sit in the car and make his wife go in and beg me for food. And maybe as a man, you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I got no respect for that guy either. Because as a man, what do you do? You take care of your family, don't you? As a man, you lead your family. As a man, you make sure that there's enough money to put groceries in the refrigerator. You make sure there's enough money to pay the house bill. You make sure there's enough money to fix the leaky roof. And that's what you do as a man. Now, if you do that as a man, if you take care of those things as a man, then you should not allow your wife to also take care of the spiritual development of your family. Because as a man, it's your job to take care of that. Just as, your, just as big as it is your job to take care of making sure there's food and housing and clothes to wear for your kids. That's what we're supposed to do as men, we're supposed to lead our families spiritually. And men, you can do it. I know you feel underqualified. I know you think, man, I just don't know enough about the Bible. And, and, and maybe you're thinking, I haven't really ever done it before and I'm supposed to start now. Yes, start now. And ladies, let me say this to you. I hope you haven't elbowed your husband in the ribs while I'm talking. And don't use what I've said today. Don't, don't come back later and use what I said today and come back to your husband and say, well, you know, Cliff said you're supposed to be leading the family and you hadn't done anything. Because you want to be guaranteed that he never leads the family spiritually, you start nagging him about it. And he will do nothing then. Men, quit making excuses about how busy you are at work and how you got this and that. I know you're busy. But lead your family spiritually. You make the decision. You, you make the decision about what life group. You, I mean, talk to your wife. I'm not saying you be a dictator, but you say to your wife, hey, here's three life groups I think we ought to be in. Which one should we sign up for? And then you go sign up. You make the decision about that we're going to give money to church. We're not just going to talk about, yeah, we ought to give at some point. You make the decision that we're going to serve as a family. We're going to sign up to serve at VBS. We're going to sign up to serve at Halloween Hoopla. And that's what we're going to do as a family. And I'm leading my family as the man to make sure that we do those things. You lead as the man. Dads, take the lead. And again, that doesn't happen by accident. So we're talking today, build a Christian home. You've got to love your God. You've got to lead your family. And the thing about that that's, that's interesting is the more you love your God, the easier it's going to be to lead your family. And when I talk about leading your family, I'm talking about leading the way God wants you to lead it, not leading it based on what everybody else does. I grew up in a household, maybe you grew up in a house like this too, where I was constantly as a teenager coming to my dad and I was saying something like this, but dad, everybody else gets to do blank. 
Dad, everybody else gets to stay out past midnight. Dad, everybody else gets to do this. Dad, everybody else gets to do that. And you know what my dad said? I don't care what everybody else gets to do. You're my son, and I'm going to have you do this. And it was consistent. There was never a time where I said to my dad, Hey, Dad, everybody else gets to do this. And my dad said, Oh, well, daggum, I guess we ought to do that too. <laughs> no. My dad said, Listen, you're my son, and in this house, we're going to live by what the Bible says. And we're not going to do that. We're going to live by what good sense tells us we should do. And we're not going to do that. And so you can lead your family. You can lead your family to do the things that God wants them to do. Lead them so that they grow to love Jesus. See, I think as parents, we need to quit worrying so much about our child's happiness and instead focus on their holiness. Quit worrying so much about your child's happiness and instead focus on their holiness. Because the things that they think are going to make them happy really won't make them happy that long. But the things that you can put in place to help them become holy, those are going to last for an eternity. So, as we finish up, we've got some decisions to make today. And I want you to think about yourself as a parent. And the first question that you need to ask yourself is this. Do I even love my God? Do you even love God? Do you have a relationship with Him? See, I know that in a room this size, with this many people in it, just the percentages tell me that when I was talking to dads a while ago about, Dad, lead your family, Dad, lead your family, Dad, be the spiritual leader. There's some of you in here that can't do that because you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You couldn't lead your kids to Jesus any more than I could lead my kids to drive 400 yards off the tee at Augusta because I can't do that. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can't lead your kids to Jesus because you don't know him. And so the first step for some of you today, moms and dads, is you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus. You need to begin to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And if that's who you are, if that's what you need to do, I want you to, to pray and ask, ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You can do that on your own, and then I want you to come talk to me about that. Now, the rest of you in here that maybe you say, yeah, I am a follower of Jesus. I'm doing the best I can to raise these kids, but it's hard. You've got some, just some thinking you need to do and some decisions you need to make. And just ask yourself the hard questions. What can I do different to lead my family? What can I do differently to, to help them understand that, that Jesus loves them, that, that we can do what verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6 says, I can impress the decrees and the laws of God on them. I can impress these things on my children. I can talk about them as I go from here and there. And so are you really leading your family? And do you really love your God? Those are the two questions I want you to ask yourself. And then as we finish up and we get ready to go into the next four weeks of this, and we're going to talk about some good stuff. We're going to talk about discipline one week. We're going to talk about what to do if your child rebels one week. So we've got some good stuff coming up. I just want to tell you this, remind you of something. Parenting your children is your job. Now, we want to help you with it, but it's not our job. We, we've got a, a great children's uh, program, and, and we've, in fact, right now we're looking 
praying about who the next person that will lead that ministry will be because it's important to us. We've got fantastic youth ministry that goes on. Blake, our student pastor, he preached up here last week. You got to hear about the kind of stuff that he gives our teenagers every single Wednesday night. And so we're doing a good job trying to pour, you know, a truth into the lives of these teenagers and these kids. But when it really gets down to it, it's not our job to parent your kids. It's your job. And we want to help you. We want to stand side by side with you and give you resources. But in the end, it's your job. And if you want to half-heartedly kind of look at it and say, well, we might do this, we might do that, what will happen is life will slip away. My oldest daughter, Emily, playing the keyboard and singing up here is 17 years old. And this time next year, she'll be getting ready to graduate from high school and go off to college. And it seems like just yesterday, she was about this size coming to hug me when I got home from work. And if I want to just act like, well, we might do this. I might, I might try to spend some time talking to her. I might try to teach her about the things of Jesus. She's going to be gone. And your baby that you, that you woke up in the middle of the night last night to feed, and your toddler that you walked down that hallway to their classroom a while ago, and your elementary age school kid that, that you're sending off to field trips and they're excited to go do those kinds of things, one day they're going to be there. They're going to be grown up. And you don't want to miss the opportunity to spend the time with them to teach them what it means to love Jesus and to be committed to Him. We're going to finish up with a word of prayer. And let me say one other thing. I'm just, uh, this isn't in my notes, but I just wanted to add it. Those of you that, that, um, that are having to teach your kid about Jesus by yourself, Keep doing what you're doing. Keep praying for your husband. Keep praying for your wife. But keep doing what you're doing. God can bless it. Don't lose heart. Don't give up just because you've got a wife that wants to stay in bed on Sunday morning or a husband that wants to stay in bed on Sunday morning. Keep doing what you're doing. Let's pray together. And uh, as uh, when we finish praying, I, I just want you, as you walk out of here, I want you to make some commitments about what you're going to do with your family in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for, uh, for children. Thank you for the blessing that they are. The scripture tells us that they are a blessing. Scripture tells us that we have a great responsibility in teaching them about you. God, help me to do that to my girls. Help me to take the time. Help me to take the time when I'm tired to spend the proper amount of time with them, to tell them about who you are. Father, I thank you for all the parents that are out here, those that have already done their job, their kids are grown. Thank you for the example they've set. And thank you for those that are just starting out. And Lord, I pray your blessings on all of them. That you would do miracles in our homes. I pray for the dads here today that maybe feel like they can't leave. God, help them to know that they can. Help them to know how important their influence is. I pray for the moms who are always have their kids on their mind. Help them to understand that those kids are a gift from you. Help them to know that, that they have a great opportunity to demonstrate the love of Christ in their lives. God, you are a good God. You are kind and you are loving. Thank you for all the gifts you give us.
We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.